the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. AVS Media Papa Hotel Lima Echo November Radio Check. Papa Echo November, good afternoon. Richard Five. Good afternoon, Region 5 as well, Papa Echo November. The X-Zone radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. All-Hit Radio! Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com on MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com and our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. This hour, Nation, we're going to be talking about one of the biggest, if not the biggest, conspiracy theory still around today. I'm not talking about Roswell. Forget that. I'm not talking about Tungusta. Forget that. I'm talking about the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. My guest this hour is Randy Olson, and we've had, uh, I'm sorry, Randy Owen, and we've had Randy on the show before talking about the assassination. His research into the JFK assassination began with a grade six school project, and uh, Randy hasn't stopped since. His collection includes over 430 books and manuscripts, over 500 hours of audio and video, including the Dallas police tapes and Air Force One transmissions, and thousands of newspaper and magazine articles. He has met and or interviewed Marina Oswald, accused of uh, the, the wife of the accused, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, 
assassination witnesses, and much more. We're going to be talking to Randy this hour about the latest in the JFK assassination investigation. His website is www.jfkassassination.ca. And Randy, welcome back to the show. How are things in the world of JFK assassination investigation? Oh, it's it's getting really, really hectic, Robin. Thank you so much for having me back again. I I've, I've enjoyed being on your show show before, and I'm really, really looking forward to this. Oh, we love having we here. love having you with us. And in fact, you you're also in radio. You're up at uh, Country 107.3 in Tilsonburg, yeah. Ontario. Yeah, great. Thank you for mentioning that. Great group of people up there. Um, thank you, thank you. Since you and I last, uh, but yeah, to get. I'm sorry. To get back to your question, though, um, right, right off the bat, it's getting hectic because of the 50th anniversary uh, coming up, and so a lot of things are are coming finally uh, to the surface. Is there has there been any groundbreaking evidence to point whether to the fact it was an assassination conspiracy or if it was just the lone gunman? And I'm talking about Leo Harvey Oswald. Yeah, there's there's some uh, groundbreaking new stuff being done right now. As a matter of fact, there's a new book out uh, called Enemy of the Truth, written by Sherry Feaster. Sherry is a blood spatter expert. And uh, one of the neat things I think uh, that the book reveals is a detailed study of what happens when somebody is shot in the head, as JFK was back mm-hmm. in 1963. And she gets into the detailed evidence uh, of, that, that you can see on the Zapruder film, and it's controversial. The film has been ever since uh, it was first seen publicly in 1975 and studied uh, almost relentlessly since then. Uh, but her work as a blood spatter expert, and she's been in court testifying at various murder trials and things like that, um, the thing I find most fascinating is she explains why, for a split moment in the film, JFK's head moves forward for a split second in just one frame, then it moves backwards. And if you remember the Oliver Stone movie, uh, yeah. the JFK movie, um, the mantra basically was back and to the left, back and to the left, which would mean a shot from the front. She explains uh, blood spatter, has, as it's shown in the Zapruder film, and why it indicates that JFK was shot from the front. And for an expert now to finally come out and talk about it uh, in terms of uh, the forensic evidence like that is one of the, the breakthrough things, I think, that's uh, really come forward in the last little while. Fascinating. Randy, thanks very much for joining us tonight. Randy Owen is our special guest this hour, XO Nation. We're talking about the JFK assassination. Randy's website is www.jfkassassination.ca. And you can always visit the Country 1073 website at www.country107, I'm sorry, 1073.ca. That's www.country1073.ca. Randy Owen and I will be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Randy Owen is our special guest this hour, www.jfkassassination.ca. 
So, Randy, maybe for the younger listeners in our audience, maybe you could tell us what the official version of what happened on November 22nd, 1963 in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, it's uh, it began with uh, the motorcade. Uh, the president was uh, looking forward to a uh, 1964 election, hopefully to get reelected. Uh, things have been a little rough in Texas with a Democratic Party split, JFK, of course, being a Democrat. Mm-hmm. And so he went down there for uh, several different reasons, and that was probably the main one. And during the motorcade in Dallas in an open limousine, shots rang out in uh, what's known as Dealey Plaza. JFK was taken to a hospital and uh, died at the scene, basically. Um, the first investigation basically was done uh, officially by the United States government. Uh, the new president, Johnson, appointed a commission to investigate it. They didn't want to investigate it at first, as we've uh, since found out, uh, but they spent nine months and over a million dollars, came out with a report that said basically uh, the assassination was the work of one lone gunman, Lee Harvey Oswald, a malcontent, uh, disaffected uh, former United States Marine Corps uh, soldier who had defected to the Soviet Union and then come back uh, to the United States. And uh, he did the assassination alone, according to the Warren Commission, and that's where things rested for many years. And then in the late 60s, uh, District Attorney Jim Garrison arrested Clay Shaw in New Orleans, charging him with conspiracy to kill the president. Uh, that trial was finally held about two years later. Uh, Shaw was acquitted, but uh, a lot more has been found out about that. And, of course, that was... Um, Oliver Stone's impetus for his movie, mm-hmm. uh, JFK, was, uh, of course... Uh, uh, Kevin Costner playing the role of Jim Garrison, the DA who brought those charges against Clay Shaw. And then uh, after Cl- Shaw was acquitted, finally in 1975, uh, just shortly after the Watergate break-in was exposed, uh, the famous Zapruder film was finally shown on television for the first time, and that prompted the United States Congress to reopen uh, the investigation. There have been a lot of uh, questions raised over the years by uh, researchers and authors. And the United States Congress spent the next uh, two years and over six and a half million dollars, they concluded there was a probable conspiracy, and then shut the door right after that. They said we don't have the time or the money to continue the investigation. We really don't know who did it, but based on a lot of evidence, uh, they concluded that there was probably a conspiracy. So two different government investigations, and both of them having completely different conclusions, and basically, the case has been in limbo ever since. So tell me, why has this assassination, you know, here it is, fifty years later. And and it's still surrounded with controversy. Why? Uh, a lot of a lot of it is uh, JFK was uh, popular at the time, and I think probably more popular after he died. Mm-hmm. Uh, surveys showed that uh, more people claimed to have voted for JFK than actually did after the assassination. Um, he wasn't really well liked in the southern states. He wasn't well liked by the establishment, uh, pockets of the government, uh, the military. Um, and it was a very very controversial. Um, assassination, and the reason it's been so controversial is because there's just so much information. The original uh, Warren Commission investigation uh, released 26 volumes of evidence, like a set of encyclopedia, um, but it's all just a mishmash. It's, there's no order to it or anything like that, so there's way too much information. The uh, Congressional Committee, the House Select Committee on Assassinations, produced, uh, again, more volumes, more information. Um, there's a lot of misinformation. People out there who honestly believe something might have happened a certain way, um, but they're wrong about it. For example, there was a theory years ago, based on a really, really bad copy of the Zapruder film, in which one person claimed that the driver turned around and shot JFK with a nickel-plated revolver. Um, and it looks like that on a bad copy of the film, but when you see a good copy of it, you can see the driver actually has both hands on the steering wheel, and that never did happen. 
And then there's a lot of uh, disinformation, information that's deliberately put out there to confuse people. Case in point, um, in the 1970s, an author by the name of Penn Jones in Texas got a letter uh, from Mexico, and it included uh, supposedly a note written by Lee Harvey Oswald addressed to a Mr. Hunt just weeks before the assassination asking for information regarding my position. And some people have theorized it might have been uh, Texas oil billionaire uh, H.L. Hunt that the letter was addressed to, or maybe even one of the top CIA guys, um, Howard Hunt, E. Howard Hunt, who was one of the Watergate burglars. It turns out, we found out decades later, thanks to uh, a, a Russian defector and a book called the Matrokin Archive, that that letter was actually a forgery, uh, and it was a plant by the KGB to try and discredit uh, the CIA agent, E. Howard Hunt. So there's all that information, misinformation, and disinformation, and people with their own theories, pet theories, regardless of what the evidence is. Uh, there's so many suspects, from uh, Fidel Castro to the Cubans uh, who are in the United States, anti-Castro Cubans, pro-Castro Cubans, the Russians, after the showdown at the Bay of Pigs, that provided uh, certainly uh, uh, fodder for some of the theories. Uh, the mafia might have been involved because of... Uh, Kennedy's brother, Bobby Kennedy, the Attorney General, cracking down on the mobs. There's just so many theories, and if you cherry-pick the evidence, uh, you can find just about uh, anything that, that kind of supports each one of those different theories. Even the theory that Lyndon Johnson might have been involved, Kennedy's successor. Um, I know one guy in particular actually believes that Jackie fired the fatal shot. So it's just oh, on and on it goes. Tell me, why do you think the mainstream media has largely supported the lone assassin theory? Um, the main reason is because the mainstream media, um, back in the day, uh, major newspapers, television organizations, magazines, uh, were being used by the intelligence agencies, specifically of CIA, FBI as well, would leak information uh, to their friendly media sources as one document to uh, label these people. And we're talking Life Magazine, CBS, uh, many reporters for, for CBS actually uh, worked hand-in-hand -hand with or for the CIA, Life Magazine, which purchased the Zapruder film from Mr. Zapruder the weekend of the assassination. Uh, some of their editors uh, had worked for the CIA at one time or another. So um, that's one of the main reasons, I think, is because uh, the intelligence agencies in the United States government has a vested interest in proving that it was a lone assassin. And the best way to do that would be through their friendly media sources. And it continues to this day. I mean, back in the 60s, CBS did a four-part special on the assassination. Final conclusion, Oswald did it alone. In 1975, the year the Zapruder film was first shown in public, mm -hmm. uh, they did a two-part special. And again, Oswald did it alone was their, was their conclusion. 1988, the 25th anniversary, they do another two-hour special. 1991, when Oliver Stone's movie came out, they did another special every time. They've always said, Lee Harvey Oswald, lone assassin. Well, big surprise when you consider that some of the people who worked at CBS were in the pockets of the CIA. Is it, is it possible that Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone assassin? No, it's not possible. And the main reason is, I think, the single bullet theory, and this has been debated for years. Um, basically, to go back to the afternoon of November 22nd, Lee Harvey Oswald supposedly fires three shots with a bolt-action Manlicker Carcano rifle. One shot missed. Obviously, there was the head shot. That accounted for one bullet. But you had Governor Connolly, who was sitting in front of Kennedy, also wounded. And the only way that you can get three shots off and have... Uh, have uh, with uh, 
the bullet count. One of those bullets has to go through both men. And when you realize that the single bullet theory is not possible, as one of the Warren Commission lawyers themselves once said, to say that uh, Governor Connolly and President Kennedy were hit by separate shots, you had to have separate assassins, more than one assassin, because the timing involved was just too short. To work that bolt on that rifle takes 2.3 seconds without aiming. And on the Zapruder film, you can actually see they were hit less than uh, 1.6 seconds apart. And there have been many attempts over the years to try and recreate it, but nobody has ever duplicated Oswald's shooting feet, ever. Ever. And uh, recently on the Discovery Channel, uh, they did a show down in Australia. They had human torsos replicated uh, by a company that deals in uh, making uh, replicas of the human body for certain testing for uh, you know, arms and right. explosives and stuff like that. And they tried to replicate it, but what the one thing they did not show on their show was where the bullet exited from JFK's throat. And the mm. funny thing is, they did a, uh, a kind of a mock-up autopsy and showed this report, autopsy report to a doctor and asked his advice whether or not the one bullet could have gone through both men, and he said yes. And if you freeze frame uh, just that one second where they show the face sheet of their autopsy report, you see that the bullet did not exit from the throat on their medical dummies that they had, in their test. It actually exited from the upper chest. That cannot happen under the single bullet theory. It has to come out of Kennedy's throat in order to hit Governor Connolly. So even the Discovery Channel as recently as just five, ten years ago are trying to cover it up and, and trying to cover up the fact that even their own experiments prove that the single bullet theory is just not possible. With all the modern technology that's available to investigators and researchers into the Kennedy assassination, isn't there something that, that could actually be used to, to uh, prove the fact that, or prove the theory that Oswald did not act alone? Yeah, and it'll never happen. And that would be an exhumation of Kennedy's body. Um, over the years, uh, the medical evidence, um, the, that whole story has been so corrupted mm. uh, with what happened that night. Um, after the assassination, after JFK had died, his body was supposed to have been autopsied right there in Dallas. It wasn't. Secret Service agents basically stole the body. It wasn't a federal crime back then to kill the president. And they took Kennedy's body to Washington. Where well, an well, wait, wait was a sec, wait a sec. It wasn't a federal crime to kill the president? At that time in 1963, it was not a federal crime to kill the president. My Lord. And so basically it was just a Texas murder. And <laughs> the authorities in Texas were the ones who had the, the legal right to autopsy the body. Right. And there was a big argument um, in the hallway. It was almost guns were drawn and shots were almost fired right there in the hospital for possession of the body. Secret Service muscled their way out of the hospital with Kennedy's body, took it to Washington where the autopsy was done. And there it was done by uh, people who shouldn't have, uh, who didn't really have the experience to do it. Uh, Kennedy's brain is missing. Uh, and it seems now, the evidence seems to show that uh, the brain was probably buried with the body in 1967. And a lot of people might not remember this, but uh, if you go to Washington now, where Kennedy's grave is, that's not the original site. In 67, the grave was actually moved, and Kennedy's body was reinterred along with the bodies of uh, two of his children uh, that had died previously, uh, one while he was president and one before. And uh, a lot of people think that's why the, the grave was moved back then. But I think at that time, um, the brain was probably buried with the body. It had been taken out during the autopsy and preserved. But one of the things they did not do during the autopsy is slice it to see exactly the pattern of damage 
that would show whether or not he was shot from the front or from the back or, or from the side. Randy, I hate to do, the, I hate to do this, friend, but I've got to take my news break at the bottom of the hour. Exxon Nation, Randy Owen is my special guest, www.jfkassassination.ca. We'll be back on the other side of the news. Don't go away. In my heart, this is what it meant to be. Don't tear us apart. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network, X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, Exxon Radio TV at Hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxoneradiotv.com. Welcome back, everyone. Randy Owen is our special guest tonight in this hour of the Exxon. We're talking about the assassination of President John F. Kennedy on November the 22nd, 1963. This is going to be the 50th anniversary of the assassination of the president. Randy's website is www.jfkassassination.ca. Randy, before we went to the break, you were saying how the... the, the, the um, you know, the grave had been moved from 1963 to 19, uh, and again in 1965. Am I correct? 67, yeah. 67. Is it possible, Randy, that there was a switch with the body of the president at that time, just in case at a later date somebody wanted to do uh, an excavation of the body and uh, continue an investigation? It's quite possible. I mean, there was a, the TV show Bones did an episode kind of like that uh, a couple of years ago, which was quite interesting. Um, but that was more for entertainment than it was, I think, for, for anything else. I think quite possibly what happened was um, after the autopsy, JFK's brain had been preserved in the formaldehyde or mm-hmm. formalin, and a proper uh, uh, examination of it should have been done but wasn't. It was kept in a, in a locker in the National Archives, and it was lost since then. Um, some researchers over the years have tried to find out what happened to it, but it seems now, with uh, the discovery of uh, army photographs taken during the reinterment, it looks like there is some sort of uh, bucket or, or canister or something that would be about the right size. And it's, it's believed that Robert Kennedy didn't want 
um, even the autopsy pictures of his brother uh, to be released to the public. Uh, so I think he had the, the brain removed uh, from the National Archives and, and placed with the body finally. And I don't know much about uh, Roman Catholicism, uh, but, but uh, as far as the Catholic Church is concerned, I believe uh, one of their beliefs is is that uh, the body should be buried as close to intact as possible with all the different parts and stuff like that. So I think that's another reason why the brain was finally buried with the body. Um, when it was preserved after the autopsy, it normally takes about two weeks for, for the formaldehyde and everything else and, and the formalin to actually harden the brain to the point where you can actually uh, study it. So by that time, JFK had already been buried. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I think in 1967, I think Bobby Kennedy decided. With a lot of uh, other things that were happening, too, the garrison investigation was just beginning at that time, so what better way than... Uh, have uh, your brother's brain subpoenaed, then, well, hey, just bury it with the body, and that solves a lot of problems right there. Where did Jack Ruby play into the entire scenario? Ruby was interesting because, and this is another reason why the assassination has been so controversial over the years, Lee Harvey Oswald, the accused assassin, was arrested the afternoon of November 22nd, uh, taken into custody, questioned. He always denied that he was involved in it, and within two days was shot to death by a Dallas nightclub owner, Jack Ruby. Ruby claimed he did it to spare Mrs. Kennedy the ordeal of a trial down in Dallas. And uh, within a matter of years, we found out that was not true, because Ruby actually wrote to one of his lawyers, Joe, you should know this. Uh, Tom Howard, my previous lawyer, told me to say that. So uh, the real motivation behind Ruby, we're not sure. At times, in different writings and in different interviews, Ruby would claim that, yeah, it was a conspiracy. On his deathbed, however, uh, there was a recording made by his brother and, a, and another researcher, and Ruby said that he had never met Oswald. But um, Ruby's role in all of this is the one reason why I think the controversy is, has persisted, because Oswald never had his day in court, never could tell us exactly what his role was mm -hmm. in all of this because of, the, of his murder by Jack Ruby. Um, some people have claimed, and this is a fascinating thing, um, Oswald was supposed to be transferred to another jail at uh, 10 o'clock, uh, two days after the assassination on November 24th. So everybody was expecting to be in the basement at 10 o'clock to cover the transfer of Lee Harvey Oswald. However, um, the interrogation of Oswald was continuing. It went over time, and he wasn't finally transferred until a little after 11 o'clock, uh, about an hour and 15 minutes later. Ruby supposedly entered the basement through a, a ramp uh, from uh, Main Street in uh, Dallas. It just happened to walk in just a split second before Oswald came out, and at spur of the moment... Uh, according to the official version, pulled out a, a revolver and shot Oswald right there on live television. Yeah. Ruby had been at police headquarters uh, during that weekend many, many times, had the gun with him, and at one point, um, when Oswald was being shown in front of the press, Ruby was in the back of the room, and somebody asked him, well, why didn't you shoot him then? And Ruby said, well, I was scared I might hit one of you police officers or something like that. Huh. And uh, a lot of researchers who believe in the official version say that uh, Ruby showed up... Um, to go downtown to wire money to one of his strippers because he owned a nightclub. And uh, he just happened to be in a building, uh, the Western Union office, which was in the same block as police headquarters. As he came out from sending the, the stripper some money, he saw the commotion, walked over, went down into the ramp uh, and into the basement, and that's how uh, the shooting of Oswald happened. But the amazing thing is they say that he had a, his, uh, one of his favorite dogs with him in his car, and that shows that there was no conspiracy involved because uh, he loved his dogs. Um, and this one dog, his favorite, Sheba, he left in the car. Why would he leave the dog there 
if uh, you know he knew that he was going to be mm-hmm. going down there to kill Oswald. I think whoever put Ruby up to shooting Oswald, Ruby didn't want to do it. And I think he deliberately showed up late thinking that Oswald would have been transferred at 10 o'clock and he was going to show up late. And then when uh, the people who had pressured him or bribed him or blackmailed him or paid him off to do it, uh, he was going to go back to them and say, oh, sorry, guys, I missed him and I couldn't do the job. I think when he realized, when he got down there to see what the commotion was, he saw Oswald come out. He was in a situation where he had to do it and he couldn't back off. When you go to the... JFK assassination uh, conventions that are held. What would you say the ratio is when it comes to those who accept the official report and those like yourself who believe there's more to it than that? Very few uh, believe the official report, and that's not just people who attend these conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, but polls over the years show that uh, ever since uh, that weekend, um, the majority of people, and sometimes uh, the percentage has gone up to about 80 or 90 percent and believe that there was some sort of conspiracy involved. Whether or not Oswald was involved, who knows for sure, or Ruby. But it's always been um, at least 60 percent and higher over the years. So the percentage, yeah, it's really, really high that uh, people who believe there was a conspiracy. And if this had, if this had been, uh, if the public was the jury, um, then this case would have been either uh, thrown out or Oswald would have been acquitted because the majority of the jurors, the public, have consistently believed that there was a conspiracy. Mm. Is there a connection between the assassination of uh, JFK and Bobby? There is, and uh, some interesting information has come out about that. A few years ago, um, a researcher and uh, author and filmmaker over in Ireland had done some research into Bobby Kennedy's assassination, and he found um, some interesting photographs of people who were in the Ambassador Hotel when Bobby was shot. One of them he thought might have been a CIA agent. Um, He showed the photograph to other people, and the guy was tentatively identified as a particular CIA agent. Well, it turns out it wasn't him. But the CIA agent that uh, everybody was looking at is quite interesting and has a fascinating history. His name was George Joannidis, who has long since been dead. George Jonitas worked for the CIA, and back in the summer of 1963, he was the guy who was working with a violent anti-Castro group called the Cuban Student Directorate. Um, Their uh, acronym uh, in Spanish actually spelled out D-R-E, so they've been called the DRE. He was funneling money from the CIA to this Cuban exile group, and these, like I said, a very violent group, they wanted to get rid of Fidel Castro and get rid of communism in Cuba. Now, the DRE... Uh, Some of their members, especially in Louisiana, had an interesting confrontation in the summer of 1963 when they saw a young man in New Orleans handing out literature uh, advocating fair play for Cuba. This young man was Lee Harvey Oswald. Now, here are members of the DRE, and they, they get into a violent confrontation with Lee Harvey Oswald in the months leading up to the assassination. Fascinating connection. It gets even more interesting years later. When the Congressional Committee was uh, investigating the assassination in the late 70s, they wanted to have uh, access to CIA files, so the CIA appointed a man to be the liaison for the CIA to the committee. Turns out it was George Joannidis. Hmm. Nobody on the committee at that time knew that George Joannidis had this connection to Lee Harvey Oswald and this Cuban exile group. And basically, he was the gatekeeper for the CIA. And at the time, like I said, nobody at the, at the uh, select committee knew this. When it was found out a few years later, um, the uh, director of the uh, House Select Committee went ballistic. He said if he had known 
uh, Joe Anita's background, especially with the Dre and with Lee Harvey Oswald, he would have uh, immediately insisted that he be put under oath and testify. Um, it has been a subject of uh, our court case that, uh, as we speak, within a matter of days, uh, is going to be heard in Washington, D.C. Uh, a reporter who worked for the Washington Post at the time, about 10 years ago, his name is Jefferson Morley, has sued the CIA trying to get uh, administrative files on George Joannidis, something like 295 documents. And it has gone back and forth in the courts. The CIA has lost. They appealed. They win the appeal. And it's gone back and forth. But finally, it looks like it will be decided within days of our interview, Rob. And hopefully uh, we'll find out how that uh, all plays out. Because uh, Jefferson Morley, like I said, was a Washington Post reporter at the time, uh, well-respected author. And uh, he's had some of his uh, work published in in places like the, the New York Times and a couple of other major publications. And he's got a great website, which details all this, too, by the way. Um, if people want to check that out, it's jfkfacts.org. That's facts, F-A-C-T-S. And it's a great website, and we'll find out from him firsthand um, if he wins the court case exactly what these documents show. Tell me, with all the research that you have done into the JFK assassination, what is your personal opinion on the connection between the JFK assassination and the CIA? Um, I'm, I've gone back and forth on this. Over the years, I thought the mafia was involved. I thought maybe the Cubans were, maybe the Russians, anti-Castro Cubans. Um, but the fact that um, here it is almost 50 years later, and the CIA is still stonewalling uh, the release of documents, uh, administrative files on an officer of theirs, uh, who uh, supposedly had no connection to this, and they're still stonewalling it all these years later, that tells me that they're covering up something. And what they're covering up, I think, is some connection to Lee Harvey Oswald. Not to say that the CIA might have been involved in Kennedy's assassination, although they certainly had motive after the Bay of Pigs invasion in which right. uh, the U.S. tried to invade Cuba back in 1961. Uh, the CIA had lied to Kennedy, saying that, yeah, the invasion should be successful, it should be no problem. Well, it failed. Castro was ready for it. And Kennedy was uh, publicly humiliated. But he took uh, the blame for it and uh, privately had threatened to break the CIA into a thousand pieces. So, interesting. The CIA had worked with the mafia at that time to try and kill Fidel Castro. So there was a ready-made organization. You've got the CIA, the mafia, anti-Castro Cubans, all working together to try and get rid of Fidel Castro. And I think what happened was... Um, members of each of those organizations, not on an official basis, but on their own, decided that, hey, we're wasting our, our time and our money, and it's so difficult to try and kill Castro. Here's what we do. We kill President Kennedy, blame it, and, and set up a patsy for it who's got communist connections to Russia, possibly to Cuba, and the American people will become so incensed that they will insist that Castro finally be overthrown, and therefore the, the United States would have a legitimate reason, seemingly legitimate reason, to get rid of Fidel Castro because he would be blamed for Kennedy's assassination. That way they would kill two birds with one stone. Um, I think what was really surprising to the people who had planned the assassination to happen that way, uh, they were probably totally dumbfounded hmm. to, to find out that oh, the government was insisting it was one lone assassin. I think somewhere, particularly in the upper levels of, of the United States government, and I'm talking President Johnson here, um, he was scared that it could lead to World War III. And I think the best way to, to, to probably uh, prevent the, that happening, and he told this to, to the people he tried to get on his own commission, the Warren Commission, back in 1963 and 64. He said, I need you to do this, and I need you 
to help prevent World War III because if uh, we invade Cuba, the Russians would be involved and it could have been the end of the world. So for, for different reasons, I think Johnson probably wanted to cover it up. And that's what I think was supposed to happen. But what really happened, uh, like I said, I think they were probably dumbfounded when the United States government decided we're not going to go along with this ruse. We're not going to blame Castro. We're going to blame one lone assassin for it and cover it up and try and walk away from it. I, I, I've heard theories where uh, another reason why Kennedy was taken out by the unknown forces at this point was he wasn't, uh, he, you know, he was against going into Vietnam. Yeah, that's uh, that's another thing. Um, the hawks in the United States government, and particularly the military, yeah. um, those guys were so anxious to go to war, whether it was Vietnam or even over Cuba, during the missile crisis, um, they actually advocated bombing Cuba, even though they would be killing Russian technicians and Russian soldiers and stuff like that. And at one point, Kennedy asked uh, one of the members of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, well, how do you think the Russians will react if uh, we start bombing these missile bases in Cuba? And the general looked at him and said, oh, I don't think they will. Huh. Kennedy looked at him Kennedy looked at him rather shocked and said, really? And he said, General, I can assure you, if they don't move on Cuba, they'll move in Berlin. You know, it was just amazing. Right. Hey, uh, Kennedy, uh, uh, Randy, I hate to do this, old buddy. We've Vietnam. got to take our final break. Please stand by. Randy sure. Owens, our very special guest, always a most welcome visitor here to the Exxon. Uh, www.jfkassassination.ca and uh, check out Randy's radio station website. Country1073.ca. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Exonation, uh, Randy Owen is our very special guest this hour. Two websites, www.jfkassassination.ca, that's his assassination website, and uh, the radio station here in Ontario where Randy works, Country 107.3, their website is www.country1073.ca. Uh, first of all, Randy, before we go any further, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Always a great pleasure talking to you. And, and at this point, what, you know, like, Fifty years later, did you think that when you started your research into this so many years ago that here we are in the year 2013 and the the conspiracy or the case has yet to be solved? I never dreamed. I never even dreamed I'd be this deep into it to meet people like uh, Oswald's widow, Marina, mm-hmm. and to talk to some of the witnesses who were there and the photographers. I never dreamed that would happen because uh, when I started looking into this as, as a school project, the anniversary was being marked in single digits. Now here it is, 50 years, and uh, it's amazing to me that it's dragged on this long. I think uh, several reasons. It was such an emotional event that people just don't want to let it go. Um, that's one, and I think JFK meant so much to a lot of people, too. Um, personally, for me, um, 
one of the reasons why I'm so interested in it after all these years is that the fact um, it's a genuine murder mystery for one and two in a, in an odd way JFK saved my life back in 1962 during the Cuban Missile Crisis because oh. those missiles could have hit southern Ontario that's true could have yeah. killed me you yeah, know when you stop, so stop and think about it so basically he saved my life he saved your life uh, you know the lives of other people back yeah. in those days so uh, in in a weird sort of way i kind of feel like i owe it to him and his memory to find out exactly what happened to him and who did it and why randy we've got about 2 minutes what lessons uh, can be learned from the jfk assassination uh, don't believe everything you hear and only half of what you see would be a major thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't believe everything that the government puts out. And I think that's become obvious over the years with uh, 9-11, uh, and obviously Watergate and so many other conspiracies. And yes, conspiracies, um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm more of an assassination or an assassinologist. And I like to think that maybe I'm a conspiracy realist because, yeah, conspiracies do happen. Um, and, and the sad part about all this is, I mean, the growth of cynicism which basically you can trace all the way back to uh, the people who started uh, researching the Kennedy assassination 50 years ago. The growth of cynicism has gotten to the point where I think it's almost a sickness. And even Kennedy himself, I think, uh, would not have approved. Ten years after his death, Teddy Kennedy was on a documentary about JFK, and he said probably the one thing that JFK would not like about society ten years after his death would have been the growth of cynicism. And the cynicism has gotten really, really bad, I think, not only towards government, but to, towards everybody and everything. I mean, it's just, as Rodney King once said, you know, can't we all just get along? Uh, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, don't trust anybody. Uh, don't trust, uh, you know, that that's part of it. But you also got to handle that with a grain of salt, too. And it's not just the government. It's the media as well. And mainstream media, uh, be careful what you read, because not every book is going to tell you the truth. Not every website is going to have the truth on it either. Because I really don't think any one person knows what the absolute truth was about what happened on November 22nd, 1963. I have an old saying, there's three sides to the truth. His side, her side, and the truth. There you go. Randy, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Always a great pleasure talking to you. Say hi to everybody at Country 107.3 for me, and I look forward to the next time you join us here in the Exxon. Thank you, Rob. I really appreciate you offering me the time and the chance to talk about it. Thank you so much to you, and keep up the great work. Thanks a lot, partner. Exonation. Randy Owen has been my guest this hour. Randy will be back as we get closer to the 50th anniversary of the assassination of what I classify as the greatest president of the United States, John F. Kennedy. His website, www.jfkassassination.ca. And we'll be back on the other side of this break with the news at six and a half minutes past the hour as we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell. Don't go away. <laughs> 